Good evening, and uh, welcome to our weekly Bible study. And as you know, we're going through the book of Job. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Job chapter 32, and we'll read this passage together. Job 32. So these three men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. But Elihu, son of Barakal, the Buzite of the family of Ram, became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. He was also angry with the three friends because they had found no way to refute Job, and yet they had condemned him. Now Elihu had waited before speaking to Job because they were older than he. But when he saw that the three men had nothing more to say, his anger was aroused. So Elihu, son of Barakel, the Buzite, said, I am younger in years, and you are old. That is why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. I thought age would speak advanced years, should teach wisdom. But it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that gives him understanding. It's not only the old who are wise, not only the aged who understand what is right. Therefore... I say, listen to me, I too will tell you what I know. I waited while you spoke, I listened to your reasoning. While you were searching for words, I gave you my full attention. But not one of you has proved Joel wrong. None of you has answered his arguments. Do not say, we have found wisdom. Let God refute him, not man. But Job has not marshalled his words against me, and I will not answer him with your arguments. They are dismayed and have no more to say. Words have failed them. Must I wait now that they are silent, now that they stand there with no reply? I too will have my say. I too will tell you what I know, for I am full of words." and the spirit within me compels me. Inside I am like a bottled-up wine, like new wineskins ready to burst. I must speak and find relief. I must open my lips and reply. I will show partiality to no one, nor will I flatter any man. For if I were skilled in flattery, my maker would soon take me away. Well, before we come to this passage, let's just pray together. Oh, Father, we thank you now that as we draw to the close of the book of Job, and we've now listened to this fourth person who will now speak with Job, we ask that you might guide us through his words, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would teach us what is really happening here and what is being said. And our Father, we bring these things before you, and we come in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, here in chapter 32, we are introduced to the fourth person who will speak to Job, and he will make a number of uninterrupted speeches. He has quite a lot to say, and his name is Elihu. Now, in Genesis 22, verse 20 through to 24, 1 Chronicles 5, verse 11 to 16, and also in Jeremiah 25, verse 23, we find that Elihu is related to Abraham. We learn more about his genealogy than we do about the other three. Now, we know that he is younger than Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. We learn that 
the three rounds of discussions between Job and his three friends would have been observed by others as it was all taking place in what was a public area. And what was happening to Job was what we might call the talk of the town. Everybody would know about it. If we go back to Job chapter 16, verse 10, we read this. People open their mouths to jeer at me. They strike my cheek in scorn and unite together against me. You see, this is saying that people can see what's happening, they can hear what's being said. And this is relevant to us in this chapter 32 when we come down to verse 15 and verse 16. Now, Elihu will tell us why he's not spoken. And he will tell us why he feels that he should now speak. And we will hear what he has to say. Now, the question is, is he a young upstart, full of his own importance? Is he blowing off steam as he throws in his two penneth worth? Is he doing this as a way of venting his frustration? Or will he say things that are relevant to Job's situation? Now, whatever we think and whatever our conclusion is, the important thing is that what he has to say is important enough for us to have this record of what he has said, along with the other things that have been said by Job, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. So let's listen to what Elihu has to say as God continues to speak to us through this book of Job. So we come to this chapter 32. In the first five verses, we could say this is his reason for speaking out. And as we listen to this, I want us to look for the differences between what he has to say. This is in all his speeches. And compare it with what has already been said. And as we do that, let's look for the differences, what he has to say to what the other three friends of Job have had to say. So verse 1 and 2, So these three men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. But Elihu, son of Barakal, the Buzite of the family of Ram, became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. So the first thing we notice here, that this young man was very angry with Job. And we could say in what we've heard so far, two reasons for his anger. One, Job has said that he was righteous in his own eyes. Therefore, he was justifying himself. Secondly, by doing this, he was doing something that only God was able to do. When we come to verse 3, we read, He was also angry with the three friends. Why? Because they had found no way to refute Job, and yet had condemned him. So he's angry with Job's friends, because, one, they couldn't find an answer, and two, they condemned him without having an answer. So Elihu goes on, Verse 4 and 5. Now Elihu had waited before speaking to Job because they were older than he. But when he saw that the three men had nothing more to say, his anger was aroused. Elihu, as 
a younger man who respected the tradition of the day, the tradition that older men were wiser men. And so because of that, he was prepared to wait, to watch and to listen. So could his anger be from his disappointments, his disappointments in these so-called wise men as he observes their lack of wisdom? So we come to verse 6 through to 9 and Eliu introduces himself and on what basis he has that authorizes him to speak. So Eliu, son of Barakal, the Buzite, said, I am younger in years and you are old. That is why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom. So what he's saying here, he's saying, look, I I didn't speak earlier because I didn't think that being in the presence of such older and wiser men, that because of them being there, I didn't have the authority to speak. And then he goes on in verse 8, But it is the spirit in a person, the breath of the Almighty that gives them understanding. It's not only the old who are wise, not only the aged who understand what is right. So what he's saying in these few verses is, look, from what I've been hearing, I've actually reached the conclusion that age doesn't have exclusivity to wisdom. He's saying, now, just as God has given us all capacity to breathe, the capacity to speak. It's God who by his spirit gives us the wisdom that we can have from him. So the words that we say will not just be influenced by age and by learning. They will come from God. Now by saying this, he is claiming divine inspiration. Now if you remember, earlier on in the book of Job, there was someone else who claimed divine inspiration and when we looked at it it looked as though it wasn't really God who was speaking to him this was Eliphaz and it's in Job chapter 4 when he claimed that in a dream that God had spoken to him this is what he said in Job chapter 4 verse 12 to 13 a word was secretly brought to me my ears caught a whisper of it amid disquieting dreams in the night and when we looked at chapter 4 we asked the question Was that really God speaking to Eliphaz on that occasion? It's doubtful. And when we come here to this chapter 32, will God speak to Elihu? Because Elihu goes on in verse 10. Therefore I say, listen to me. I too will tell you what I know. Now, this chapter is quite a long introduction to the, the person. Elihu, but eventually he will get round to telling us and them what he knows, but firstly he will tell them how he arrived at what it is he wants to say. So if we look down verse 11 through to 14, he's saying in these verses, this is what I have gleaned from what I have been seeing and what I have gleaned from what you have been saying. I waited while you spoke. I listened to your reasoning while you were searching for words. I gave you my full attention, 
but not one of you has proved Job wrong. None of you has answered his arguments. Do not say we have found wisdom. Let God, not man, refute him. When we think about these words of value, he's saying, let God prove him wrong. Or well, this is what these three friends have been saying. They've been saying, look, let God prove Job wrong. In other words, they have made up their minds that Job is guilty. And they're saying that God will prove him guilty. Therefore, proving them right, because they claim to be right in their so-called wise assessment of Job's suffering. In other words, look, leave it to God. Let him deal with it. And we know what will happen. He will prove us right and Job wrong. You see, their conclusion is that Job's suffering is the result of Job's sin. Will this be the same conclusion that Eliphaz, Elihu, will reach? Well, we will find out. But let's read on. Verse 14. But Job has not marshaled his words against me, and I will not answer him with your arguments. He's saying, Job has not spoken against me, therefore I will remain impartial, and I will bring something new to the table. I wonder if he will. Well, we'll probably find out, but in the meantime, verse 15 through to 22, it's as if Elihu will now direct his comments about Job's friends to the bystanders. Remember we said earlier that there would have been people who were observing what was going on. It was a public place. People would be passing. Some of those who passed would rebuke uh, Job, some of them would slap him in the face, they'd laugh at him, the children would mock him, and they would be listening, just as um, Elihu has, to what's been said so far. And it's as if Elihu here just pauses for a moment as he turns to the bystanders and as he begins to address them as he refers to Job's three friends. He's pointing at them, the three friends, and he's saying to the people around about, they're dismayed and they've got no more to say. Words have failed them. Must I wait now that they are silent, now that they stand there with no reply? So he's saying, look at those three over there. They're dumbfounded. They've run out of words to say. And do they expect me now to just stand here and say nothing? In verse 17 he says, I too will have my say. I too will tell what I know. For I am full of words and the spirit within me compels me. Inside I am like bottled up wine, like new wineskins ready to burst. I must speak and find relief. I must open my lips and reply. He's bursting at the seams. Have you ever been like that when you really want to jump into a conversation and something holds you back and then the opportunity arrives and so he's now, he's gone into this conversation. Is this a man who can't contain himself? Is his eagerness to boast about how much wiser he is 
than these so-called wise men of his day? Is this the, the radical voice of youth in an effort to tell the world that he knows better than them? Has, in his opinion, human wisdom failed? And does Elihu recognise that God must be heard, and if so, how will God speak? After all, this is what Job wants. He has said that God is silent. He's complained about God being silent. And that he's saying that God is refusing to tell him why he's suffering. And his hope is in the fact that God will hear him and that God will answer him. Elio, Elio continues in verse 21 and 22. He says, I will show no partiality, nor will I flatter anyone. For if I were skilled in flattery, my maker would soon take me away. You see, in his defense here, in this uh, word that he's saying, he says that he will remain impartial. That's good. And he also offers to let God be his judge if he is not impartial. But if I were skilled in flattery, my maker would soon take me away. In his defense, he's saying that he will remain impartial as he offers to let God be his judge. As we draw to a close, it's just a, a short passage, but there's so much in it. And he wanted us to think about um, and consider what Elio has said in chapter 32. Well, he said that Job in his own eyes claims to be righteous. And Elihu is angry about this because he said it's God who provides justification, not Job and not any other man. Elihu has observed that Job's friends have condemned him without there being any real evidence of his guilt other than the fact that he is suffering. And he can say to them, not one of you has proved Job wrong in what he's been saying. Therefore, I'm going to show no partiality. Elihu claims that wisdom comes from God. So what do you think about what he said so far? Let's consider what he has not said. And this is important. So far, he has not yet condemned Job. So what do you think? Is he going to be the one who will comfort Job? Or will he also spout a, a lot of hot air that will be no help to Job at all, just like Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar have done? They've not brought any hope to Job. Well, we're going to listen to what he still has to say as he speaks to Job. And next week, we'll turn to the next chapter, chapter 33, and we'll have a look at the next part of what Elihu has to say. But what I'd like you to do in the meantime, I'd like you to sit down, bearing in mind what we've learned already as we've gone through the book of Job. Just take chapter 33 and read chapter 33 through to chapter 37. This is the words that Elihu is going to speak. And when you do that, give some thought to what type of person you think Elio, Elihu is.
what are his motives for saying what he has to say? Will you be a friend to Job? Or will you be like his other three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar? Well, there's a little um, thing for you to do between now and then. In the meantime, let's just pray. Our Father, we thank you again for your word. Thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you can lead us, you can guide us, and we can sit down quietly and read through these words. And as we do, we ask that you will just open our minds and our hearts to what is being said here as we consider what it is that is happening, what's being said in these speeches that are now being made. And our Father, we ask that you might just open our eyes to what you would have us learn. And our Father, we bring these things before you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.